Welcome to Surrey Economic Insights, where we sit down with some of the top city building and industry experts to unpack the latest business insights and opportunities affecting fast-growing cities like the City of Surrey in British Columbia, Canada. My name is Stephen Wood, the Manager of Economic Development with the City of Surrey. And today we'll be talking about a key clean tech innovation asset in Surrey. Simon Fries University School of Sustainable Energy Engineering is graduating its first cohort this year, and already there's a lot of exciting activity around this. To chat about this, we're pleased to welcome Kevin Olno, Director of the Program at Simon Fries University, to the show. Welcome, Kevin, and thanks for joining us today. Thanks very much. Uh, good morning, and I appreciate the invitation. Yeah, I was just uh, telling um, our producer here, Liz, you know, uh, sustainable energy engineering. I have to say it a few times because there's a bit of alliteration to it. There is. And, and I know that you've been part of this program since the beginning and you were kind of helping kind of pull it together. So were you in, involved with kind of the naming and, and how did this program really come together in the early days? Yeah, sure. So uh, great question. And you're right, there is some alliteration there. You kind of have to get used to which syllables to emphasize to find your way through it smoothly. <laughs> I was. I'd say really, if if you trace this program back to its roots, where we really started getting a lot of momentum was when SFU was successful with a strategic infrastructure fund proposal that was based on the idea of expanding our Surrey campus to include a new building. And that new building would uh, be put together on the on the basis of a new program in energy systems. And so as we went down that road in terms of building out the expansion to the campus, and thinking about the undergraduate and graduate programming, we took a big step back and said, let's take, um, let's take stock of the current set of conditions that we're living in. We did a bunch of key stakeholder consultation, industry surveys, uh, market surveys, and realized that if we wanted to situate this new program in the most relevant and effective way, we really needed to weave sustainability into the energy systems applications. And we landed on sustainable energy engineering as the, the program name and uh, the foundation for everything that came after. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think, you know, um, there's, there's a bit of a fun story. And I think I've told this to you before, but back in 2011, 2012, I was working with uh, the Globe Group and uh, we were commissioned by the province at that time to um, do a clean economy study and really understand what the opportunities are with clean tech and all of that. And I think through that process, we had actually derived the economic impact and the number of jobs that would be created as part of um, this new clean economy that um, we were trying to build at the time. And really, that was really part of the emphasis of dovetailing is, is we quickly realized that we actually need people to do this. You can't just build a clean economy without people with the right skills to do this. And so we were super pleased. And, you know, me kind of working downtown at the time and then moving out here to work for Surrey to kind of see, you know, that, you know, sometimes it's not just about data points and kind of coming up with these big numbers of how many jobs. There's actually people behind it. And kind of seeing the fact that, you know, earlier in the introduction, we were saying that this is actually the first year that you guys are having graduates come out of this program. So can you talk a little bit about that? Who are these graduates and uh, where are you seeing them going in the industry right now? Yeah, happy to talk about that. So you're exactly right. This is the first year in which we will have undergraduate students completing their bachelor's degrees and, and graduating. We have had a couple of graduate students already come out with their master's degrees because that's a two-year program. So they've been sort of first out of the gates. But in terms of, of the main and most substantial elements of the program, our first undergraduates will finish up this year and graduate a little later uh, in the fall. We're seeing, first of all, I have to say, just a, a remarkable group of students that have joined us in the program. It's um, it's really 
inspiring to, to kind of get to know and, and work with these students. And we're seeing a, a diverse range of interests. We can see that playing out in terms of the types of, of materials they want to study, the types of co-op jobs that they're getting involved in, and the types of ambitions that they have after they, they finish up. There's a pretty broad spectrum. You know, we're seeing some students doing their co-op jobs and having ambitions around clean tech startups, really getting involved in, in local clean tech startups and wanting to kind of roll up their sleeves and, and build up that part of the economy. Uh, we're seeing others get involved in some of the longer standing, more mature businesses or even uh, service providers. So thinking about, uh, you know, BC Hydro, as an example, we have students wanting to get involved in that kind of an enterprise or some of the clean tech uh, companies that have been around for longer and, and become more mature. The other avenue that I think is really interesting is we're seeing some of our students very interested in the idea of informed policymaking and want to play a role in building their own technical base of knowledge, but then jumping into the policymaking process, knowing that that's going to be so important in, in driving change as we move forward uh, in addressing the challenges that we have in front of us with respect to climate change and sustainability. Well, if you have a few uh, students who want to do co-op terms, tell them to give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing that down right now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess um, in terms of numbers, like I, I think um, there were numbers passed around that, you know, at capacity, you were graduating about, what was it, 300 students a year? Was that the number? Just about. So the, um, the number 320, you're remembering that number exactly, right? 320 is what we expect to have as our steady state undergraduate enrollment across all of the years in the program. So once we're built up and running at steady state across years one through four, we expect to have 320 undergraduates. So about 80 per year, and we'll expect to graduate about 80 per year from the undergraduate program at the graduate level. Uh, with master's and PhD programs, we're expecting to have a steady state of about 120 graduate students at any given time spread across those programs uh, as well. How about PhDs? Are you doing any PhD programs as well, probably as well? Yeah, absolutely. So um, when we launched the school and its programs in the fall of uh, 2019, we launched simultaneously our undergraduate bachelor's program and also our graduate master's and PhD programs at the same time. In both cases, both the master's and the PhDs are um, research-intensive thesis-based degrees. So they've been up and running since then as well, and we've got a pretty even balance of PhD and, and master's students in the programs. What we're looking to now as we move forward is other types of master's programs that might not be specifically thesis-based, but might give other ways to, to keep moving forward. And, and I know, Kevin, you know, you and I have talked a lot, and you know my biggest complaint about SFU, you know, you have such a good program. It's always fully subscribed. And when I talk to industry, they're telling me that it's not just 80 people that they need. Probably one company could probably soak up all of your graduates that year. So my biggest complaint is there's not enough seats. <laughs> What's the plan for growth and how can we support SFU in terms of getting, you know, more opportunities for young people? In our previous conversation, we actually had uh, Andy Yan and another SFU, you know, faculty. And we we're talking about the fact that, you know, 25% of all young people under the age of 19 live in Surrey right now. And when they kind of look at where they want to take their careers and where they want to take their life, they're looking at inspirational programs. They want to solve real world problems. But how can we give 
um, more of our young people more of an opportunity to get into such an exciting program like the ones that you guys are developing? Yeah, so great question. And it is, it's a long-term puzzle to solve. So what we know is that if you look at the number of seats in undergraduate technical programs in BC, we do still lag on a per capita basis. Mm -hmm. The rest of the country, we know we have a gap to close. And so we do need to keep moving forward in in mounting additional programs and and getting uh, additional seats in place. I think the program that we've launched here, the Sustainable Energy Engineering Program, is a really good example of the willingness of all the parties involved uh, in terms of the academic institution, uh, industry, and government support at both the or at all three of the local, provincial, and national levels. It takes all three of those to keep uh, keep moving forward. So I think demonstrating success in the program that we have today is going to both attract additional interest and investment from both the private sector and and government, both are needed, and is going to inspire additional interest amongst uh, amongst young people in jumping in and studying these programs. You know, it's it's something that presents us with a very urgent need. We we need to be solving this quickly uh, in terms of climate change and sustainability, and also just the general shortage of skilled folks in the area. But we also know that there's a long-term element to it, and that if we're going to get young people interested in these fields, we need to be reaching them, you know, in elementary school, getting them expired at at that level and having them carry that vision all the way through. So there's short-term urgent things we need to jump in and do, and long-term thinking and, and committed and intentional approaches to really making sure that we're planting the seeds early. And and I think that you're right because you know I, I don't think people realize that here in Surrey we've got this great program that you guys run. And um, I know a few years ago you guys were telling me a lot of your graduates were actually going to work for Tesla and like all these companies making electric vehicles and they're all going down to California and whatnot. So I guess when you kind of take a look at it. It's great that Tesla is inspiring a lot of these young people, but now that it, we're kind of really becoming a more mature industry here in British Columbia and kind of standing our own ground, being a clean tech kind of hub, what do you see as kind of the core disciplines and areas that are really defining what is really inspiring these young people locally here? Yeah, so I think that's one of the, the really great things that I find so exciting about what we're doing here is a lot of the inspiration that students are, are drawing in terms of where their careers might take them is local. You know, we see some of the longer, uh, the longer terms, uh, the longer standing enterprises. And I always hesitate to throw specific company names out because mm-hmm. I'll always forget to mention someone if I do mention someone <laughs> else. But, you know, just to draw on a couple of examples, you've got longstanding companies like Ballard uh, Power Systems and utility providers, as I mentioned, like BC Hydro. You've got other smaller um, startups. You know, one of the really exciting stories that I know sits in our students' minds is um, carbon engineering out in, in Squamish. So you've got great examples across the spectrum from, you know, small startups right through to really well-established large-scale companies that our students are really excited about in terms of career prospects and career path. And we see them wanting to jump in that way during the co-op terms and and for longer-term career prospects uh, as well. So I think there is an exciting part of the story that is local in, in nature, and it's great to see. That's one of the things that we were really 
emphatic about when we were doing the initial um, labor market research and, and key stakeholder consultation is making sure that we were thinking about how we address the need here in BC, here in Canada, but also give students an education that makes them internationally relevant so that whether they want to do something here that has international impact, or whether they want to have a career that at some point does take them on an international adventure, that they're ready for that. Yeah, and, and I think right now, you know, for better or for worse, you know, BC in the previous year has got a lot of international attention because, you know, we lit in, you know, the entire town was kind of decimated. Then you had the floods, which decimated all of our highways. And I, I just drove through that a few days ago, and it was shocking to see the amount of destruction that actually happened because, you know, we were thinking that, you know, as government, you build infrastructure that's sustainable, that stands the test of time and, you know, what's a little rain, but no, like there were bridges and roads that were washed out. So, you know, I guess like a lot of these young people are being influenced by that and, you know, they're kind of seeing that in their backyard. So what have the conversations been in the hallways and and been in the classrooms been like, how do they get inspired? And did they come to you and say, Hey, we have a thought about how we can kind of solve some of these problems, or is it that how are they asking you, how can we contribute to um, solutions? How did that conversation go? Yeah, we see both. And, you know, one of the things that we've, we've done in putting the new program together is put in place a, um, a broad-based holistic admission system where students answer some supplemental questions along with providing their, uh, their high school transcripts. And right from that point, you know, seeing the answers to some of these supplemental questions and understanding just how passionate these students are about making a positive difference is inspiring right from that moment onward. Uh, and we see the conversations going both ways. I think the the events that you just mentioned really emphasize to all of us that this problem that we're facing isn't abstract and it isn't far away and it isn't a long time away. It's right here and it's right now. And what we saw happening uh, in Lytton, what we saw happening in the Fraser Valley just in the past year tells us that this is right on our doorstep. And that creates a real sense of urgency amongst uh, our faculty, our staff, and our students. And what it does, I think, is, is it really brings forward the point that there is no single silver bullet solution to all of this, that coming up with effective solutions is going to mean thinking about this in a very wide range of ways and pursuing a number of different things simultaneously. We see that in the way that our faculty members are approaching their research and in the way that we're building out the, um, the courses and the topics that students are studying. And we see that from our students pushing us, you know, as they get involved in student design competitions or their capstone project work, you know, they're really pushing to say, these are the kinds of things we want to jump in and solve. Just as, as one example, what I'll say is that um, we do take a, a lot of, or we place a lot of emphasis on clean transportation as one of our focus areas in, in both research and teaching. And something I say about, uh, about our program a lot is that when we say sustainable energy engineering, often the mind goes directly to renewable energy sources, right? We start thinking, okay, photovoltaics, uh, wind turbines, and, and so on. But we need to be thinking about the entire spectrum of harvesting, storage, distribution, and use of energy. We need to think about all of those things. And it's only by pushing on all of those areas that we'll find our way forward with sort of the, the multiplicity of, of solutions that we need. 
So in clean transportation, for example, thinking about passenger electric vehicles is one part of the puzzle, but we also need to think about longer range movement of goods where, you know, the um, notion of electrifying that entire transportation corridor is not going to be feasible in any kind of short term. So we still need to be talking about hydrogen, hydrogen fuel cells, alternative fuels and blended fuels in the short term and optimizing the transportation systems by drawing on what we can do with additive manufacturing and intelligent design, you know, and and really putting things together so that we're putting short-term improvements in place very quickly to help right now while we continue to pursue the, the longer-term visions as well. Absolutely. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Like a lot of the issues that we're dealing with in sustainability is really a systematic issue. And I know that, you know, um, you talked about clean transportation. You know, we live this as cities. You know, we live congestion. We live the fact that, you know, a lot of people are wanting their one or two day um, e-commerce kind of deliveries. But there is a sustainability cost to that. And it's great to see that your team and your students are, you know, taking light and trying to solve some of these issues. And I guess, you know, um, one of the things that I've always been very surprised about when I kind of walk by SFU is, is the diversity and the type of people that you have in your campus. Can you talk a little bit about that, about is it by design or is it just fluke that I see a lot of diverse people that I otherwise wouldn't have thought about engineers? Yeah. So I'll tell you that, you know, we have tried very, very hard to stimulate diversity as we've launched this this new program. And I think we've been successful in that respect. And I do love to think that it is mainly by design that, that we've done some <laughs> it was things all you. here. It was all you. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, what I can say is, is we've done a few things very deliberately because we really, really wanted to stimulate diversity in our student population, diversity in our faculty complement and our, and our staff complement because we know that, that that brings with it all kinds of benefit in terms of really making full use of the horsepower available in solving problems through uh, you know, human endeavor. So one of the things that, that we took as a um, principle in approaching this is an understanding from the literature that when you look at typically underrepresented populations in engineering programs, one of the, the consistent characteristics is that they really tend to be interested in how technology can be used to help communities and to help solve problems for people rather than being uh, fascinated in, in the technology for its own sake. And so we really took that as a bedrock principle in terms of how we approached program design, course design, program naming, and particularly this uh, broad-based holistic admission system to make sure that we've emphasized in every way that this is about coming up with viable solutions to help our, our local and global communities uh, as we move through this very challenging time in, in the history of, of humanity. And we've also emphasized in all of our uh, faculty hiring processes, for example, uh, diversity and embracing diversity. So, you know, our metric of success or our early metric of success has been our female enrollment levels in, in, the, in the student population. And at this point, we've got 44% of our student body identifying as female. And in the context of engineering programs, it's kind of a remarkable number. That, if you that, look at it, that's crazy. That's a lot. <laughs> 44, that's is. almost 50%. Yeah, it is. It is gender very, balance. 
it yeah. gets close to gender parity and uh you know when you stand at the front of a when you stand at the front of a classroom or a lecture hall and from from the front of that room you look out and what you see is essentially you know a balanced student population it's a remarkably positive thing and it leads to i think a really inclusive environment a welcoming environment in which people can feel like they belong and that just opens the mind up and allows for learning and allows for contribution to problem solving in what I think is a, an extremely positive way. Absolutely. I, I think diversity is what really kind of gets ideas. Like universities are places where ideas are happening and you can't have great ideas if you don't have contrasting views or perspectives. And, and it's so good to see, you know, you know, SFU kind of taking that approach to kind of building that in and, and trying to kind of engineer, so, so to say, <laughs> these collision of ideas. And it's, it's, it's awesome. So good for you. And I guess, you know, um, the C program is still relatively young. You know, the first cohort is graduating this year. Where do you see the program go in the next five to 10 years? And how do you continue to engage a lot of these graduates who are now, you know, getting out of university, probably getting really, really good jobs, probably getting like multiple offers, how do you keep them engaged within the SFU community and how do you get them to help build what this program looks like for the next generation? Yeah, so great questions. And um, I'd say, first of all, when I think about kind of the size of our program in terms of, you know, the number of faculty members and, and the number of people involved, what I say these days is that we're about three quarters of the way from where we started to where we're going. When we think about the number of people that are ultimately going to be involved and, and attached to the program. So we've still got some faculty hiring to do. We've still got some research enterprise to spin up. So one of the things that I think you'll see is, is we'll bring online a few more focus areas uh, in the research and in the teaching. I think we're going to start getting uh, really deliberately engaged in zero emissions buildings as an area of research and study and battery electric storage systems, smart grid, energy resources. I think we're going to start really uh, building out that way. So that's sort of the, the short term. But as we look over the longer term, and particularly as we think about engaging our graduates and staying connected that way, one thing I'd say is that we're trying very hard to have a community-engaged philosophy and approach to the work in the school. So we've got a number of our faculty members who are really pursuing community-engaged elements in their research and, and in their work. And that's going to help us, I think, first of all, really to stay connected to the community, to keep the work relevant, and to stay connected to our graduates as they move out and, and pursue their own endeavors in the community. So that, I think, is going to be one of the hallmarks of what we do moving forward, is really pursuing community-engaged initiatives. The second thing that I think we're going to do, and I alluded to this a little earlier, is continue building out some of our graduate programming, some of our master's programming, keeping in mind folks who, who may want to make a pivot in their career. As we go through an, a transition in energy systems over the next several years, there may be folks who are headed down one career path and realize this is something that they really want to switch gears a little bit and, and get involved in. So um, setting up uh, programming that helps people to, to make a transition, you know, to, to pivot in their career and really jump into clean tech and move forward that way, I think will help us to keep having impact in, in the local community, but also to stay connected with our graduates as they are leading the expansion of the clean tech sector. You know, we'll be helping to provide a pipeline of talent that, that continues to build that out. So just kind of elaborating on that. So I have probably, you know, just 
really quick math in my head, 15, 20 companies who all want engineering talent with sustainable energy um, kind of disciplines right here in Surrey. Yeah. How do we connect those companies to your students? What's the best way that we can kind of do that? Yeah, so excellent question. Um, I'd say one of the first ways, uh, and I'm really glad you've asked this question. <laughs> first and call most Kevin. Least, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, certainly you can always call me. I'm happy to, to, yeah. to make the connection. Uh, one of the first and, and most direct ways to do that is through our work integrated learning team, our co-op office. Our co-op office is set up to interface really efficiently and effectively with uh, the business community. And that gets the connection going early, right? While the students are still in their undergraduates and and undergraduate degrees and doing co-op placements and getting familiar with the landscape of companies here in the area. Also, though, our co-op office doesn't lose touch with students as they graduate, right? So our co-op office is also a great touch point when it comes to students who are looking for their full-time role as they're finishing up their program. So that's one direct channel that, that is really a great point of contact and a great initial touch point. We also have a couple of other channels through both our advancement teams and our partnership teams that can help with either getting involved in supporting students or getting involved in collaborative research projects, uh, which is a really big area of activity for, uh, for our faculty and graduate students as well. So those are three immediate channels. But as you kind of said half in jest, I'm always happy to receive a message and, and make the connection. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess final question is, in the day of today where it's all about talent, it's a talent mm-hmm. war, we hear that all the time. Yeah. Would you say that it's critical for companies to kind of tap into talent through these work integrated co-op um, terms in order to secure their long-term workforce? Or is that something that is a nice to have? Like what advice do you have for companies to be have the highest chance of success of kind of grabbing one of your 80 students that are coming up this year? I think um, getting involved early is a great idea. There, there are a couple of things that I think companies can can do. One is engaging in uh, co-op hiring is a fantastic way, first of all, to have you know kind of an extended interaction with a prospective employee and really get to know each other, but also ignite uh, passion and inspiration in that prospective employee as well. One of the nicest arcs that we tend to see is when a student is on a co-op placement uh, near, you know, uh, as they're approaching their senior years, comes back in with an inspired idea for their capstone project and stays connected with the company that way, and then comes out with a velocity that that sends them in the same direction. So it's a really nice arc that we see when that happens, and it starts at the co-op placement. One other way to stimulate interest and support is through student scholarships. You know, I'll put a, a plug in for those that what we see is that undergraduate student scholarships are an extremely effective way to generate awareness and sort of an affinity between students and the sponsor companies uh, as well. It's it's really effective and a very straightforward thing to set up. That's fantastic. And I think, you know, for the companies who are listening today, don't just post your jobs on LinkedIn or Indeed or whatever. Make sure that you get in touch with SFU and get in touch with their co-op office and um, maybe even sponsor some scholarships for them as well, because these are really great students. I've personally been involved, talked to a lot of these uh, young young folks, and I'm often very inspired by the work that they do and, and just the way that they're passionate about you know their research and their time at SFU. It, it's really 
quite different from when I went to university, quite honest. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> I know. But uh, thanks again, Kevin, for sharing your insights today. And it's always a pleasure to chat with you. And hopefully, you know, um, maybe in a few months, we can kind of pick your brains a little bit about some of the other kind of um, topics that are going on right now. And, you, and I know that you mentioned clean transportation. I'd love to kind of delve a little bit deeper in that because um, here, as you can kind of see, industrial land, we're not getting any more of that. But what that's doing is it's really kind of changing the dynamics of how distribution centers and distribution's working. And I think there's a role to play and, and math to do in terms of the sustainability impact and you know just the simple economics of where you place these distribution centers and how we can kind of bring in hydrogen and electric and stuff like that to solve some of our um, fundamental economic challenges. So maybe we'll have you back and maybe bring in a company uh, to kind of maybe talk a little bit about how um, folks are, are dealing with some of those real issues right here in our backyard. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to Surrey Economic Insights. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a rating and review. And don't forget to share this with others as well, because, you know, um, you might have some friends who want some SFU grads. And follow us on LinkedIn if you'd like to catch the next episode as soon as it's released. See you next time. And thank you again, Kevin. Thanks so much, Stephen, for the invitation. <laughs>